Turn in your Bibles with me, please, to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to try to continue a series, maybe the last one in this message, but Jesus loves little children. And the whole deal about that, as you know, is the insignificant, the weak. Um, that just appeals to God. And I think it's because... He hates pride so much. And it seems like a little child just exemplifies uh, how things really are in our lives. I think we'd probably all like to go back to that part of our life. And there still remain a childness, childlikeness in each and every one of us. Jesus is real clear. We tried to deal with that, as you remember, in Matthew 18, where Jesus took a little child and sat in his lap and said, as of such is the kingdom of heaven. And today I want to continue that series, and I'm entitled Focus of Faith. We need to focus our faith. We need to do that first of all, but we, after we've done it, we need to refocus it. Because the world and the devil will continually try to obscure our vision of God and what he's doing. Now, God is not going to always let us know what he's doing when he's doing it. I would say most of the time he's not. That's because faith means so much to God. If it was just completely wide open, if God just told us everything that, how it was and what's going to happen, we wouldn't need faith. God says it's impossible to please Him without faith. He tells us too what faith really is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith really is. And, and so as we think about that, we, we see that it's in faith. So I want to deal with how we focus or refocus our faith. It's really important to God, but it's really important to you. I hope that God will let us individualize this lesson that God teaches us from 2 Kings. It's it's also really important to understand that this little girl, this little maiden girl who was taken captive uh, by the Syrian army and brought in and maybe just ripped away from her parents. Can you imagine such a horrific picture? And she's brought in and she's taken away from her family and she's placed to be the mistress or the kitchen maid for uh, this great warrior, this leader, uh, Naaman. And uh, an occasion arises where she has an opportunity to say something about God. She doesn't have to do it. She doesn't have to. In fact, you would think she would not do it. Because she's going to help this man Naaman. And God is going to use this little girl to redirect his life, his thinking, and even his salvation. I'm going to tell you, it is so amazing to think how God uses the insignificant and how his hand of providence mysteriously works in our lives. Maybe there's been a little maid in your life that has redirected your life and changed your thinking in a way. I'm going to tell you that's how God does it. So I want us to think about this. In fact, I want to give you the three things I want to say from this verse, if God would help me, this text. I'm going to read the first 14 verses of 2 Kings 5. But first of all, just be looking for this and ask the Spirit of God to search your hearts as we do. Number one is, this is a typical picture of salvation. For we are like Naaman, okay? It's a typical picture of salvation. Secondly, I want us to see that things are not always the way they seem. They're not. 
And we're going to see that here. And that's how God works. Things are not always the way they seem. And then thirdly, I want us to see that success is only possible in any area of life by God. Only God can give us success in any endeavor. He tells us, except the Lord build the house. In Psalms 127, verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman watch in vain. Now, I believe that we can apply that to every part of our life. So let's look at those three aspects of the points that I want to try to say. There's many others, but but I want us to see this lesson from God of, of a little maid, a little girl, who doesn't even have her name said who you would think would just be a nobody. But she has a burning desire that she's going to tell somebody about Jesus. She is going to promote God. And it doesn't matter about the circumstances. In fact, when we have dire circumstances like we have now, now is the time to promote God. I was talking to Brother Arthur Woodrum just a minute ago. And uh, I was blessed the other day to have a visit with Sister Mary Alice. And I told Brother Arthur, I said, you know, Brother Arthur, I just come away from there every time I see your wife. She always has something positive to say. You know she can't walk. You know she gets from her bed and she's hoisted. And Brother Arthur, they got it all designed in their house. And she has to have somebody with her, and it, it, she just can't do anything. But she sat there right there in that chair, and she told me, you know, Brother Randy, we have been blessed by God so much. Now, that woman is promoting God, even though the circumstances don't allude to it. Things are not always the way they seem. Success is only possible with God. You can try any other ways you want to. But you're going to end up in a mess. You cannot cancel God. You can cancel culture, but you cannot cancel God. He will get his glory. And he will use little maids. And he will use insignificant things and events in our life. It may be a little bird on a limb of a tree. It may be a sunset. Or it may be the voice of a child. To remind us there is a living God. We do have a heavenly father. Okay, let's look at these verses together. Uh, chapter 5, 2 Kings, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. 
and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. (laughs) I want you to stop with me. I told you this is a typical picture of salvation right here. This man, Naaman, see, he's got it made, looks like. I mean, you're talking about a man's man? You're talking about somebody that's successful? He's got it. Everything's hunky-dory. But there's a cloud on the horizon. See, he's a leper. Leprosy in the scripture is typical of sin. Though all disease, in a sense, shows us the detrimental effects of sin. That's why we have all diseases, right, really. So, so Naaman, though, God uses leprosy because in the Old Testament and right now, in the New Testament age, right now, this dispensation. They're still doing a lot of research about leprosy. Uh, And this time there was no cure for it. And the the only remedy was a a, a flat miracle by God. Now I read Leviticus 13 and 14 the other day. Those two chapters in the Old Testament tell you about leprosy. Tells everything about it. And it's so correlated to sin because it starts out as just a little small thing. A man might have a rising, a little scab or something come up on him. And he didn't go to his doctor, he didn't go to his friends, he went to the priest, which is like God. Only the priest would tell him what he had. See, the world will not tell you what sin is. You don't want to hear about it. The nature of man, I don't like it. But I'm going to tell you about God. I want you to know that God does not flatter humanity. He does not. He puts us in the dust. See, when leprosy gets started, it eats in the flesh. It desensitizes the nervous system so that you can bump your toe or head and you won't even know it. And we're living in a world where sin has been so prevalent that we don't even know it. Our consciences, our hearts have been pounded to live any old way, to do any old thing. And it don't even seem to bother us. When's the last time you saw somebody blush? Don't blush anymore. Nothing happens anymore. That breaks our heart, really. It rises up anger in us is what it does because of our pride. And so, so what happens with leprosy, it's observed by the God or priest. And, and then when it happens, that person, if he has leprosy, he cannot come into God's presence. And if you have sin in your life, you and I cannot be in God's presence. 
Do you understand that? God is holy. You say, well, Brother Brandy, I still sin. Yes, I do too. You're looking at one. But you better get on Jesus and refocus your faith. Because God is not going to put up with sin. He says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, I'm not even going to hear your prayers. See, we need to see sin as a problem. Because leprosy was a problem. This man had everything, but he didn't have clearance from God. See, your life may look really good to everybody else. But how does it look between you and God? You got it? That is what matters. And so when when leprosy come and he was excluded from the presence of God's temple, his presence, and also everybody else. I want you to see sin in this. I want you to see yourself in this. I want you to see what God has done for you. Because only Jesus, his blood, is the only cleansing we have. But he was a leper. There's no remedy for leprosy other than a miracle of God. And if you're saved by God's grace today, you have embraced a miracle from God. That's right. It is God that determines our salvation. It is nothing we can do. We are in His hands. So it's typical of salvation. In verse 2, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. I told you she was a kitchen maid, slave, taken captive. Little Israelite girl. And she heard about Naaman's problem. And again, you ever thought, this little girl said, well, I'm glad that man's going to hurt. That's not what this little girl said. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Now she's talking about Elisha, which means God is salvation. So what she's really doing in effect Because the prophets were men that God endowed with words from him. She was saying to him, if she was with God, God could heal her. Or he would recover him of his leprosy. Isn't that amazing? And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. It matters what you say. So what we're going to see here is God's going to give some hearing ears here from a little girl. Power of the tongue. Promote God. Now is the time. And one went in. 
Thus said the maid of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. Now right here you see the world. That maid never told him to get his money together. She never told him to go see the king. See, that's how we think about it. This is something I got to do. See, I got to be baptized. I got I to gotta go. I got to read the Bible. I got to understand all this. I got I to gotta give. I got to do this. I got to straighten my life up. No, what we need to do is just go right to God. I mean, just like you are. That's what she's going to tell this guy. Go with your leprosy. Because our leprosy, our sins, uh, Isaiah 1 6 says it's just like putrefying, plastic filled sores. From head to toe, we are sinners, my friends. And unless you're willing to accept that, you will not have any hope in your heart. You won't. If you think there's a little bit of good in you, if you think, well, I'm not so bad, then you haven't got to where God is going to get you. Because we have to get to understand that we are nothing. Romans says we're none righteous, not no, not one. There's none that seek after God, not any. No matter what church you go to, no matter if you're black or white or yellow or green, doesn't matter what your success rate is or who you uh, are. We are nothing but sinners, and we're going to have to get to that flatness of our life before we can get anywhere. Now, I'm speaking to the best people in this world, but I'm going to tell you just what God says. Psalms 39, 5 says, man in his best state is altogether vanity. That's the way it is. God tells it like it is. So the king says, well, I'm going to send this letter. I'm going to send him some money. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his lepers. I mean, you know, here it is. Politics. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill him to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. That's not what was said. That's what happens when our thoughts get involved. See, things are not what they seem. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come to see me now, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now here's Elisha. He could have started, you know, uh, react to this. Say, well, they're not even considering me. But he was so concerned in helping Naaman, he says, I'm going to bite off my pride and go in and tell him this is what God will do. Promoting God all the time. And that's what we got to do. Jesus is counting on us to, to tell the great sweet story of it, the only remedy we have for sin and sorrow and separation from God. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of Elisha. See what Naaman comes, he's going to impress Elisha, he thinks. 
I'm going to tell you, we come to church, we leave an air-conditioned house, and we ride in air-conditioned vehicles that cost thousands of dollars. That's our chariots. And we come into an air-conditioned church. And I want, to, I want you to understand one thing with me. God is not going to air-condition hell. He's not. It is a horrific place, and it is there for people who rebel and do not come to Jesus. That's what it's about. It's real. It's deep. And it's dark. It's ugly. And it's hot. So Elisha comes on his chariot. Does it matter what kind of car you drive? What kind of house you live in? You're going to have to come on God's terms. And Elisha sent a messenger saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. That is the pure and simple gospel. Now there's so many types in the Old Testament of redemption. When Noah was told by God the flood was coming, God told him to do something, build an ark. And Noah and his family found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That is the type of Jesus that ark is, okay? when the children of Israel were going to leave bondage in Egypt. The angel told them that before the death angel got there, put blood, kill that lamb, and put the blood on the doorpost. And when the death angel sees it, they'll pass over. That's what God does to every one of us. Jesus is our Passover. Otherwise, we'd be under the wrath of God. But what does he see? He doesn't see our good works. He sees the blood of the lamb. And then in the Old Testament too, when, in Numbers 21, when, when Israel was going on a journey that God told them to go on and things started getting kind of kind of hot, they had a pandemic because they were murmuring and complaining. And God sent scorpions and bit them and they cried and many of them died, the scripture says. And God sent a remedy through Moses. He said, you put a serpent, a brazen one on a pole and you lift it up. And when they look on it, you see their focus of faith. Look on that serpent. And Jesus used that in John 3. Where he says, as the serpent in Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And my friends, that is how we're to come to understand the focus of our faith is lifting up Jesus Elisha did not say, well, go get vaccinated. Put on your mask. No, Jesus is the vaccination. You hear me? What we needed is a vaccination of Jesus. I want to tell every one of you, I have been vaccinated. That doesn't make me any better than anybody else. I want you to be vaccinated. I don't think you need to be made to do it. I mean, if you want to use ivermectin or a fig poultice or you want to go cut some rag leaves and make some tea, I mean, what, what the deal is, the focus of the faith is not the vaccination. It is Jesus Christ. Don't you hear that? Yet I understand there's so-called Christians that get on places like Facebook and called other Christians that haven't been vaccinated murderers. 
You better watch that. See, it's not the means. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, I got vaccinated because I need all the help I can get. I mean, I was over at Emmaus one time, uh, and before you speak of that, they pray on you. Man, that's a great place to be in that little prayer room. These guys coming there one day, this charismatic preacher was there, and he had a little boil of oil. He said, you want me to anoint you with oil? I mean, what is anointing and oil going to do to you? I mean, I could have jumped down and said, man, get out of here. That don't mean enough. You know what I said? I'd pour it on me, guy. I need everything I get. You see, my focus was in, not in the oil, but it was in Jesus. Another time I was over there, some guy to come in and said, here's a prayer cloth these sisters knit together. And said, they prayed over it and said, you want us to put this prayer cloth over your back while we pray? I said, man, lay it on me. I need all the help I can get. I don't know about you. But all the time you're dependent on God. You see, that is the focus of your faith. And see, Satan likes to take these things and create division. <laughs> He's good at it, too. So you see, things are not always what they seem. You think a, na- a Naaman had it made. He thought that Elisha uh, was just going to clap his hands and say, be saved. And, and Elisha says, no, you go down to the River Jordan and, and take a dip seven times. You're going to be clean. And you know what happened? The man got mad about it. Notice what he said. But Naban was wroth, in verse 11, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. You know, if you think you've got to have some sort of spiritual experience, I mean, do you think you've got to do this and that and the other? You need to revert that. You need to refocus your faith. You need to be like this little maid and understand, you know, God can do this. What you got to do is just get to God and believe him. See, what what Elisha said, you just do this. And the man said, well, I thought. We're still saying that. I mean, the I thought now has more power than God said. But God said, go jump jump in the river seven times. That's what God said. Now, did it make sense? Probably not. That's what God said to. You know, I think as a nation, we'd be a lot better off. Not so much trying to push vaccinations as pushing prayer. I mean, just coming to God and understanding the malignity of the leprosy of sin in our lives. Every one of us ought to be on our face before God instead of trying to bicker about this, that, and the other. So, did it happen or not? I mean, the man would have been a fool to live there. We don't realize what sin is if we're going to get away from Jesus. We don't. But when he gave in, and his servants came near, and they said to him, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to come do some great thing, wouldn't thou have done it? 
How much better then when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. I mean, obedience. I mean, that's how we refocus our faith. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's understand personally that we need God's cleansing. We don't need it just every now and then. We need it all the time. We need to be vaccinated with Jesus, and we need a booster. Because I'm going to tell you, the devil knows he has a short time. And I don't know how long God is going to put up with everything. And you know, don't try to figure it out. Jesus says, repent. Luke 13, Jesus tells some people that said, well, why did the tower of Siloam fall and kill these 18 people? Why do these people being mingled and they died with the sacrifices of the pagan. Jesus says, don't worry about them. This is, I'm paraphrasing, but this is what Jesus said. You don't need to be concerned about why. What you need to be concerned about is, why didn't it happen to you? Because we're not any better. We could have been born in Afghanistan. We could be older than Louisiana. And the fact that we're not is that we're not any better. We just have the mercy of God. It is greater. That was a beautiful song, the journey class song. God's mercy is always more. But it ought to motivate us to promote God as this little girl did. To somebody that didn't really care about her that even done everything he could to disrupt her life. But God was working in it all. He was. We see the results. May the Lord bless us to know that Jesus loves little children. And I want to be like one. And I believe you do too. But don't you ever underestimate what God will do with your words. When you have an opportunity to promote Jesus, you do it. Right in your own family, your work, church. The healing power is the cross of Calvary. May the Lord bless us. To focus our faith on what Jesus has done for us. And I promise you, when we do, given who we really know we are, and where we've been, <laughs> We won't be complaining, pandemic or not. We're going to thank you, God, for the real healing. It's his Holy Spirit in our lives. What a blessing. Let's take this opportunity right now in our lives to bring glory to God, as this little girl did. I'll tell you, she puts us all to shame. I know she does me. How much I've neglected the opportunities. May the Lord bless you. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for the lessons you teach us in your word. Lord, your Bible proves over and over again that it's not written by man. 
man would not write a story like this. But you, God, tell the truth. Even though the truth hurts, it makes us so free. We are so thankful, God, that we're in your hands. That the whole world is in your hands. That the man and the woman is in your hand. The tiny baby. In all our problems, we thank you, God, that you are sovereign, but that you're also wise and merciful to poor sinners like us. May we, Lord, promote you even in the fires that we walk through because you've promised that you will be with us, that the river would not overflow us and the fires would not burn us. May we give you glory and grace for you do it or do it all. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.